I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Uh, yes. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Okay. I, uh, you know, I've always really liked that cinnamon tea from Caribou. Well, these have always brought me luck. And for some reason, uh, I guess I assumed that only Caribou made it. I don't know why. For for years now, we've lived in LA for what almost thirteen years, mm-hmm. and I and it, I've had your mom send me some because Caribou is a Midwest uh, coffee chain. For those who don't know, coffee shop chain, and so like she has purchased some for me and then shipped it to me, and then we were there for like Thanksgiving time mm-hmm. last year, and I thought, oh, I should. Like I should try to order some and the cashier said, oh, we have like, you can buy it on subscription. So then I went last week to try to buy some and it's out of stock. Okay. So then I was disappointed. And then I thought this can't be the only game in town. So I tried to research what about this tea makes it so special because the caribou cinnamon tea is sweet mm-hmm. without putting sugar in it. And my dumb ass was like, how can this be? But it turns out that it's uh, sweet cloves are in the tea bag. So it's like a blend of dark tea, cinnamon. I think there's a little orange in there. And then. So it's a flavor chemistry. And sweet cloves. But then I thought, okay, let me, since caribou's not reliable as far as having it in stock, let me find an alternative. And I found. Shade. Well, you know. Oh, is it that? (laughs) When I wanted it, they didn't have it. You, uh, you didn't get the tea, so you're giving the tea. Okay. So I'm spilling tea. <laughs> okay. Uh, but there's a brand called Harney and Sons that's available on Amazon. And a three-pack, which is like 90 sachets, was like 30 bucks. So it's like 30 cents a sachet. Enough you sachet. haven't tried it yet because the temperature was too much for you. But uh, I don't drink boiling liquid. Thank Nick, you. Nick is very sensitive to temperature in his mouth. Uh, <laughs> But sounds so specific. I don't like to burn my little papilli. For someone who's so uh, mean and nasty and has this vile mouth, it's funny that I have a vile mouth. It's funny that like, even when I get like a latte, like a specialty drink from Starbucks, you're like, it's too hot. It's too hot. We got to give it a minute. Can you give it a minute? Every morning you put ice cubes in your coffee after you let it sit for like two hours. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, 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 if if it's sitting, I don't put ice in it. But, <laughs> but anyway, Harney's and Sons has hot cinnamon spice tea that I think is extremely comparable to Caribou. I don't uh, have a vile mouth. Okay, <laughs> I think. Well, you know, you're on a. People are listening to you right now, which means they've listened to you before. So, <laughs> I, think... I, I, I don't believe that that is the absolute classification. You're quick, you're quick to get nasty and mean. Nasty. <laughs> I think people would find it funny that you are very sensitive to temperature on your lips and tongue, but, well, uh, but yeah. So I don't like to abuse myself. So I'm, oh, well, we're not going to go there. Uh, (laughs) I'm happy that I found an alternative. I am too. I started drinking it yesterday and I have a cup of hot tea right now. Since uh, (laughs) Caribou let you down. Caribou let me down. Moving on. We we used to buy that. uh, uh, The first time I came to LA before we lived here, you brought me to coffee bean and tea leaf. 
and uh cbtl yeah cb cracker barrel taco lettuce <laughs> not cock and ball torture <laughs> cock and ball torture love love <laughs> lutherans uh, no in parenthetical parenthetical light, light. Uh, and we had that chocolate uh, powder that they used to put in shit. I remember ordering that for you for Christmas. Yeah, that was it's a just bad. Sugar. It's just sugar. Yeah, that was a bad habit because what I would do is go get. Uh, so my recipe for coffee bean used to be a large coffee with a scoop of powder mixed in, and then they take a whisk. And there might be, I believe, there might be some dairy in that powder. Um, the cat's harassing me. Uh, but yeah, it's nothing but sugar. So I stopped having you get that for me. But moving on, people were asking us to respond to Ryan Gosling's Oscar nom letter. Oh, girl. And then there was an additional question regarding that. So uh, for people who don't know, after the Oscar nominations of which Ryan Gosling was nominated and America Ferreira was nominated, but people felt like Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig were snubbed. So Ryan Gosling made a statement. Part of it says, I am extremely honored to be nominated by my colleagues alongside such remarkable artists in a year of so many great films. And I never thought I'd be, I'd be saying this, but I'm also incredibly honored and proud that it's for portraying a plastic doll named Ken. But there is no Ken without Barbie, and there is no Barbie without... Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, the two people most responsible for this history-making, globally celebrated film. Uh, and then he goes on. Then America Ferreira says um, something to the like similar effect, like saying that she still hasn't wrapped her head around it, um, but that she's incredibly disappointed that uh, they, Gerwig and Robbie, were not nominated. Uh, oh no. <laughs> Um, I, my initial thought was like, first of all, you have to submit to be nominated. So if you were going to feel that butthurt about, so like you wanted every person who was involved with Barbie to be nominated or only some, because what about there are people no one else is mentioning, like that one director who's pregnant in it. What's her name? Emerald Fennel. And then Issa Rae. And then what about uh, Michael Sarah? What about the... Kate McKinnon. Yeah, there are other people in the movie, so when you have that attitude, it's like, oh, so, so you don't think Kate McKinnon deserves this something? This movie or you made don't a ton of money uh, <laughs> and will be a cultural footnote for the year twenty twenty three. It saved the industry, everybody, according to some. But uh, just because it has the popular vote, there are only five fucking slots. So it's I stand with Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, shut wait, the wait, fuck, you, shut the fuck up! But wait, you don't have a vile mouth. What is this that we're hearing? <clears throat> Look how quick you get turned up. I'm a sweet, I'm a sweet, my papilli is a temperature. <laughs> I can be I can be more than one thing. I'm I have different facets. Thank you. Aren't I lucky to have found a man that can do both? Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. I'm being abused at home. Oh boy. Anyway. Okay. Yes, this is not this is not a record of abuse. Someone, a chronicle of abuse. Will someone timestamp anyway, this episode? What <laughs> I said Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, like, not everybody gets a nomination. And also, oh, you dum dums, wh why are we caring about the Oscars anyway? Sigourney Weaver doesn't have a fucking Oscar. Oh, I don't care go. about the fucking Oscars. Glenn Close doesn't have an Oscar. I mean, they just started nominating black people uh, in, to a moderate degree <laughs> recently. To, <laughs> like, to be fair, if, like, 
if I were Ryan Gosling and someone and a reporter asked me like, well, how do you feel that the director of your movie and the star, the other star weren't nominated? Of course, I would say something to the effect of like, you know, of course, I think they did great work as well, but I'm honored because the problem is like y'all submitted to be nominated. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you can't act like. But he's writing a statement that like this is the definitive autobiography of Susan B. Anthony and the woman playing Susan was nominated, but the man in the cameo playing her husband was. That's what <laughs> the other thing is. These are like. Well, like you said, there are only so many spots for nominations. So you think that most of them should have been filled with your movie. So you think Barbie also, just should have run up all over this? No. But also, if these awards were like legitimate and weren't partially like PR and marketing and, mm -hmm. and all that, but if they were legitimate awards, then then they're being given out for acting, right? Mm -hmm. So that means that people didn't think that your co-star acted better than the other five people they nominated. Mm -hmm. she didn't make the cut and she didn't it's make okay. the cut it's and it's okay. okay like yes margot robbie is barbie and the movie's called barbie but maybe people didn't i didn't think that she was like she Rob didn't robbie got robbied she didn't send me like she was fine i she was fine there's it's fine this wasn't a movie it was it's a summer blockbuster anyway and then... and I, and if people listen to our barbie review i did say that i really liked america ferrera in the movie but i was surprised to see her name pop up on the list of nominees like i didn't think that she was i just thought she seemed like the most sincere and sweet character she has a nice monologue she has a nice monologue but to see her nominated was kind of shocking yeah anyway i just think it's funny but another question someone had is do you think and and what did diablo cody say like this movie made a billion dollars that is what I, I i'll take that over some oscar nods <laughs> yeah that's the real prize then someone said asked do you think that this gerwig conversation is taking away from justine trier's deserved nomination yes because all of these dum-dums that are upset about barbie haven't seen something that's better quality and better deserving to be have this distinction so i mean i do think it's when when you complain about your fave not getting nominated it seems really myopic but also like you're discounting the people who were nominated and then wouldn't it be a gag to find out that the people who are mad that greta gerwig didn't get nominated probably haven't watched most of the best picture nominees right. mm -hmm. so then you just seem stupid because uh -huh. <laughs> i mean i don't I think it's pretty easy to think that Barbie's not the best directed film of 2023. And it's not, and I don't think, like, to me, I bet Greta Gerwig is not even that upset about it because she's, one, already has an Oscar nomination for direction and was uh, one of only a handful of women in the U.S. that can say that. And you know what this is going to do for her? The success of this film is allow her to make shit she actually really wants to make that uh, we can have this argument again later for most likely. Moving on, because I was sent this, uh, Bobby Burke from Queer Eye. Uh, the, the one that does the decor? Yes. Okay. He is not coming back to the show. Oh, he's tired of being fake? And there was speculation that it's because he has a feud with Tan France, the one who does like fashion. The one my mother likes. Mm -hmm. Who's my least favorite? Well, no, Jonathan Van Ness is my least favorite, but Tan is a close second. I really don't like any of them except, I mean, Bobby would be my favorite. Oh. He's the only one who seems like he does something and is a real person, but because I think Karamo seems fake too. But. And uh, and who, Anthony. Who's the one, the, the cooking one that seems like he has other problems? 
yeah like high blood pressure because those uh fingernails but anyway the <laughs> i'm not a hater i just think it's funny that like they make him like a sex symbol I on mean, a show that's like not about them like <laughs> i want to do a we should do a counter queer eye and it like his portion of uh getting people to make food i'd be like what do you want to make let's google this recipe and i'm gonna watch you put this and put these ingredients together and show you and i'll help you when i can but you can do it by yourself they should recast this shit and get like some old lesbian grandma to be like the cooking person <laughs> and have them make stuff that actually like makes you feel good because <laughs> the food they make is supposed to be like for the occasion right mm -hmm. yeah which makes sense but it's also like uh, getting me to cut up all this shit to make bruschetta like bitch don't nobody want bruschetta why don't i help you food prep some healthy things why don't you help me make some really good mac and cheese to serve my little function tonight like, mm -hmm. anyway um bobby burke did an interview with uh vanity fair saying that the reason he left the show is not because of tan france although they did have a little incident where he unfollowed him on instagram and he says that he regrets doing that because really it had nothing to do with the show it was something personal that's just between them it's nothing romantic and that they're like brothers so like brothers fight and he, he probably shouldn't have done something so public so that people would make assumptions but that the real reason he quit is because he had signed a contract and they they all signed the same contract for the same length of time and when their contract was up when they shot that final episode of season seven they all like they, they had them all take like a picture and they said their goodbyes so he assumed that they were done because there was no talk of doing season eight so then he made other plans so he he runs an interior design business and he has a new show i think on a different network not netflix so he was doing that. So then when they came back and said, are you going to sign for season eight? He said, no. <clears throat> okay. Because it was too late. I already have other things going on. And I already thought the show was over. And I'm done with y'all. And then he also assumed, he said he assumed that they wouldn't have them all come back if one didn't, but they are. So well, look at Sex <laughs> in the City. Yeah. I don't know why he assumed that. Like if the network's making any money, they're going to find a way to keep it going. They will find somebody else to do what you can do. Or the platform, Netflix. Uh, but also who, who has the time to recognize when people unfollow or follow each other <laughs> that, that, that if you're not one of the people in this transaction, uh, I don't, I understand it's public, but it's like, who's really paying attention to that? And fans do, you don't see, I mean, I don't read gossip blogs anymore, but I, you know, but I used to back in the day and it would be like, oh, people see like, oh, uh, Demi Lovato liked a post about someone being mean to Selena Gomez. Like they saw that you liked it. And then that goes, I mean, it's just so, uh, it, that shit is so boring to me, but I mean, sometimes there's funny things like Samuel L. Jackson, liking all this porn that he doesn't realize. Oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> um, but it's also like, yeah. Cause he's probably thinking who the fuck is paying that kind of attention? Well, somebody with time on their hands is, well, he didn't know. Well, but it's, know, it's clearly but... that he's not aware that <laughs> because it shouldn't be people should be able to do things like that and not have to have somebody examine it sure well i mean i i think 
people can examine your behavior, but then it's like, you need to think about your behavior. Like you're a very famous person right, on a public right, platform you know, like, viewing pornography. Maybe you need to find a discreet way to view pornography. Like discreet, it doesn't make any sense. You, you can't view porn the same way we all do. It's like the people who like watch porn while they're like on a zoom call for work and don't realize the volume is not turned off. And it's just like, what? Come on. Yeah, that's right now. Like you have to right now. Mm -hmm. you, you have to be Samuel L. Jackson and look at porn on Twitter. Well, and like why? everything. You have to like it because you want to come back to it. Yeah. Why were you liking? Because you thought the ladies, I'm assuming, were ladies, uh, are gonna, like going to message you back or what? Like what were you? Well, I mean, you know, you you could use your cloud. Halle Berry's Netflix film was canned. The Mothership. The Mothership. I, I, I was surprised to see that because Netflix will is uh, putting out anything. Well, I think I was trying to read about it and, I you know, post-production woes, post-production woes. And then also the, this kind of shit can be used as a tax write-off. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of films get canned for that reason, just to write off the cost. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, and when they know that it's not great, like so I was reading examples of like Batgirl or yeah. there's some movie with John Cena where it's like a Tom and Jerry like live action, something Ooh. like when they know it's going to be bullshit, just take the L and the write off and keep it moving. But this is very high profile with a star like that. So Halle Berry. Yeah. It's just embarrassing. I don't know. Her last sci-fi film was garbage. Moonfall. Did yeah. you watch that? We uh, reviewed it, but you hadn't seen it when we did No, it. but I put it on maybe like six months ago and I was like, nah, it's bad. Yeah. I couldn't finish <laughs> oh. it. Um, poor thing. I, she just, I, I just don't understand how she can't command how i mean it's i guess it's well, that the last film she she's directed, beautiful so maybe that is her beauty still getting in the way of good scripts jesus well the last film she directed and starred in bruise was i mean that was i a didn't labor. think it was she shouldn't have directed it but it was a labor of love and i think that you can see the work put in and there are some impressive things but narratively no but you know she you can't take away that she did a pretty damn good job in the movie herself. I think that it's obvious she did a lot of training for the role. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you want to say that's a good job, I don't know that I think I don't, I've never watched Halle Berry on screen and thought like she did phenomenal. Acting. And, and that was the first and that time includes monsters ball. And like, that was the first time I got to see her co-star. Uh, is it Sheila Atim, who I quite, I also kind of like, Yeah, um, she has a nice screen presence. Yeah. Halle Berry is beautiful, but I think, you know, she's going to struggle like a lot of beautiful women who age naturally do is like there just isn't a spot for you. But you could make one. I don't know. You could make one, but then it's kind of like, I mean, if I were directing a movie and I needed a middle aged black woman who looks normal, I'm not going to hire Halle Berry and try to like m make her look dumpy. I would just, I'm not going to name any other people to be shady, but like there are a lot of women mm -hmm. of that age range who look like normal people. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, yeah, it, maybe the cachet of that name is, you know, a lot of these stars who get mad, like Sharon Stone and who like no one wants me. It's like, well, are you marketable? Like, well, I know who they are, but I'm not. I'm not paying to go see movies. Like, <laughs> I mean, I love seeing Sharon Stone, but I also think that she's difficult. Yeah, but do you think to the average like forty-year-old moviegoer that a Halle Berry is going to be a draw? I don't know, especially I mean, not in a role that isn't something that's like 
fabulous or action-packed or i mean i'm clearly not uh, of the who they're marketing to but uh when i see her name i want to see it i do i mean even her being in the john wick franchise that made like, me more interested her and angelica houston i immediately was like oh i want to see that i don't think that the majority of the people who watch and like john wick care about angelica houston or halle berry they don't and that's you know kind of the problem i think but wow okay you are going to berlin for the film festival and you have a list of your most anticipated yeah last monday they announced their complete lineup we were waiting for the competition because they were you know as usual things come out piecemeal they had their forum and panorama uh, sidebars revealed a couple weeks before that the opening film starring Killian Murphy. Uh, but yeah, the, the, it's all, it's now it all has been revealed. Are you going to name them? Like my top anticipated. Well, you wrote them down. Um, uh, from least to greatest. Uh, th- this is just kind of randomly, but uh, Juliana Rojas, who a uh, Brazilian director, she co-directed good manners, the werewolf movie that, with Marco Dutra, you've seen that. Okay. Uh, she's directed a movie on her own called uh, Cidade Campo, I think, which means uh, city and countryside in Portuguese. Uh, my favorite cake from the director of the the directors of uh, the Ballad of a White Cow from Iran. It's in the uh, competition. Suspended Time, a new Olivia Aseas film, which I hadn't even realized he was working on something new, I think. So that's exciting. Uh, Black Tea from uh, Sisako, the. Uh, where, where is he from in Africa? Um, who hasn't made a movie since 2014's Timbuktu? So I think everybody expected this to be at Cannes. And it's about a woman who wor- walks away from. He's Mauritanian, um, like the Jodie Foster film. Uh, A woman who walks away from her marriage and then I I think following her after that. But and it was known for a long time, I think, is the perfumed hill. Uh, But yeah, anyway, black tea, the empire, the new Bruno Dumont, which I think is supposed to be kind of a parody or has something to do with it's maybe judging Star Wars. Uh, but I love Bruno Dumont. Uh, he, you liked his last film as well, France, starring Léa Seydoux, if you remember that. Uh, the Devil's Bath, in competition, I believe it's a horror film. It's from the Austrian directors of Goodnight Mommy, uh, including uh, the woman who's married to Ulrich Seidel. Uh, My New Friends, <laughs> which reminds me of the secret film we're going to talk today, but a uh, new André Teschenet film, uh, starring Isabelle Huppert as a policewoman opposite Hasia Herzi. This is going to be in the panorama, which probably means that, you know, if it, the fact that this is the caliber of the people in front and behind the camera and they put it in panorama is probably saying something. But uh, Teshine worked with Huppert in 1979's The Bronte Sisters. So this is a kind of a reunion that's... It, it's taken a long time because usually the people she repeats with, uh, it's always kind of in a succession, a quick succession, which brings me to my most anticipated, which is A Traveler's Needs uh, in competition, the new Hong Sang Soo film, which is the third time he's worked with Isabel Huppert. Hmm. Is that all you have to say about Berlin? Yes. I'm, well, you know that and I'm, I'm very excited. And um, yeah. Okay. Well, right now, today's the last day to watch Sundance stuff. So I, I'm already looking forward to 
putting Sundance to rest. All right, we'll take a break. There is something in the sorry to this man section because for the Patreon, we reviewed the Altman film shortcuts. Oh, and I said uh, I used my 10 year old's pronunciation of <laughs> Pratt Porter. So there's an Altman film ready to wear, but the French title is Pret-a-Porter and yes. you said Pret-a-Porter. Yes. So you wanted to correct that. I did. And yes. there's another item that's not really a mistake on our part, but oh, good. a listener who lives in Scotland was happy to report that they went to go see Poor Things and the child sex scene was intact. Oh, <laughs> Which good. Which I shouldn't say child sex scene. There's a, for people who don't know, there is a sex scene between two adults where the man's children are made to watch as like instructional. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's in, not pedophilia. So at least in this theater in Scotland, it uh, that scene was intact. All right, films released we didn't cover. Miller's Girl. Miller's Girl, I believe a debut by one Jade Halle Bartlett, starring Jenna Ortega and Martin Freeman. It's about a teacher and a student, I believe, and we did not watch it. I looked at that and was not interested. Next, American Star. I think I'm getting a screener for that this week, <laughs> but it's uh, directed by Gonzalo Lopez Ortega, but it stars Fanny Ardant. And oh. technically, Ian McShane is the, the star, but anything with Fanny Ardant, I will be watching. Yes. Uh, Badland Hunters. This is directed by Hyo Myung Hang from South Korea. It is about an earthquake shaking soul and I guess terrible things happening after that. I think it's a Netflix release. Netflix is very, you know, after Squid Game, the, I, I noticed they uh, seem keen on pumping out new uh, Korean content. Oh, next hundreds of beavers. This sounds really odd and interesting. I believe it's a period piece about a fur trapper. <laughs> uh, it, I think it played Fantasia Fest back in 2022 and it's directed by Mike Cheslick. Um, you know, if there weren't 80 billion other things going on this week, I might have said I would have wanted to watch this, but I didn't. The Peasants. I still might watch this, but it's from the directors of Loving Vincent. Um, that moving painting film about Vincent van Gogh, uh, directed by DK and Hugh Welchman. And the peasants is probably going to be most remembered for stealing Poland's uh, nomination submission, being official submission from Poland for this year's Oscars, because it should have been green zone by Agnieszka Holland. But of course the Polish government did not like what she had to say about her country. So it was this film. Lastly, sometimes I think about dying. Same girl. Uh, this stars Daisy Ridley. I saw this. Oh, so when I say it, it's a problem, but you can say it. Well, I was joking. No, I'm not, not joking. <laughs> we all think about dying. Uh, it's just we don't need to talk about I'm it. I'm not joking, bitch. What's we, that from? Coco. That's right. Coco from Drag Race. Yeah. Coco Montries. <laughs> Anyway, sometimes just, I think about dying. We're just not, you know, it shouldn't be the thing that's ruminating all of our thoughts every day. That's when it's a problem. Of course, you should think about dying because we're all going to. Um, Daisy Ridley. I saw this about a year ago. It was a Sundance selection last year, and it feels very much like a Sundance film about this woman who, as the title says, thinks about dying. And it leads her to finally bonding with some menses. And I just remember her going on some awkward dates. But... I didn't think much of it then, and I didn't want to rewatch it now. Projects of interest, The Room Next Door. Oh, my God. I sent you that shot. 
of Julianne Moore sitting next to Pedro Pedro Almodovar being flanked by Tilda Swinton and Julianne Moore. Oh yes. Oh, I knew Tilda was gonna. He, they he was doing a project with her, but Julianne. Oh my God, the two of those together. This is like this. This is uh, the next May December. Uh, <laughs> the room next door is gonna be his English language debut, which is also kind of fucked up because he was gonna adapt. Uh, is that a cleaning? A Guide for Cleaning Women, directed by, or that book by Lucia Berlin, if I'm saying her name right. He was going to adapt that starring Kate Blanchett. And then he decided he couldn't speak English well enough. And then he did that little Western short with Ethan Hawke and Pedro Pascal. And now he's, so, I mean, that's what your assistant director's for. You speak English well enough. He's in that Madonna doc. He, <laughs> he's, anyway. Orphan. Uh, Hungarian director Laszlo Nemz. Uh, I guess it's been, well, you haven't seen Son of Saul, which is pretty exceptional from 2015, his debut about uh, the man in the concentration camp that is looking for his son, who he thinks was gassed mm. to, so he can bury him properly. It's a very distressing film. Uh, his film after that was about a woman at the turn of the century hat factory uh, I forget the name of it, Sun, Sunrise, which I kind of liked, but it kind of didn't have the same kind of reception. But he's doing a new film. It's also a period piece, but that's all I remember about it called Orphan. Lost Bus. Okay, I'm, I, I'm not the biggest Paul Greengrass film fan, but he's reuniting with, uh, or he's working with Matthew McConaughey in his next film. But what I was really interested in was Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be in it. <laughs> the Memory Police. Uh, Reed Morano, cinematographer and director. We saw, I'm forgetting the name of that, that film that we both didn't like where Blake Lively is that assassin. Oh. Something about the rhythm. Something I totally about, forgot about that. I did too because I didn't really, it, it, I've seen a lot worse, but I didn't care for it. Uh, and she had another indie film with Peter Dinklage that I think is better. Anyway, she is adapting The Memory Police. The script is written by Charlie Kaufman, and they've just uh, bagged Lily Gladstone to star. Lastly, Mice. Uh, Australian director Justin Kurzel, I believe this is also based on a book, uh, got Nicole Kidman to lead his story, uh, his new project called Mice. Uh, Kurzel's a pretty interesting director, uh, I liked his true history of the Kelly gang a lot, but of course, if you go back to his debut Snowtown about the serial killer is disturbing, but, uh, it's fun. It's exciting that Nicole Kidman will be in his project. Unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. The actor David Gale died. Uh, people might know him from Beverly Hills 90210 as like a supporting character. He died from a heart attack at the age of 58. And then Norman Jewison. He was only 58. Yeah. Uh, Norman Jewison's been old, but um, I, the secret film this, <laughs> the secret film this week had, I not had so many things to watch because the Sundance was going to be Fiddler on the Roof. But uh, yeah, Moonstruck, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Uh, his last film, I believe was the statement way back in 03 with uh, Michael Caine and uh, Tilda Swinton has a small role in that. I mean, he's, he's a pretty, notable director mm. well goodbye to these people we'll take another break the secret film this week was your choice and you chose the 1987 american black comedy barfly 
directed by Barbette Schroeder. Barbette Schroeder, I think. But... Schroeder, starring mm -hmm. Mickey Rourke and Faye Dunaway. Why did you choose this movie? I've been wanting to rewatch it for forever, and we're big Faye fans in this house. Um, I'm a Faye, Faye fan. You're a Faye, Faye fan. Uh, and yeah, it's just something that I knew that you needed to see because, you know, talking about the people that put this together first, Faye had a tailspin. Her career was in a fucking tailspin that I arguably never recovered from after Mommy Dearest in 81. And this was kind of a return to form for her career briefly because uh, you've seen some of the other shit she's done in this period. What's the movie she did that where she was the prostitute and she was sleeping with like the town preacher? With James Earl Jones? Yes. Uh, what is the? It's Scorchers? I highly recommend. If, if you like Faye Dunaway and you like mess, uh, you need to stream Scorchers. But <laughs> Scorchers is no good. Barfly is. So this played in competition at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, and she received a Golden Globe nomination for it. So, you know, it, 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 it's a nice little bright spot in her late 80s filmography. Uh, but Barbara Schrader had taken years and years, I think seven years to get this made. And in the interim, uh, I, I think prior to this film, released a documentary, The Charles Bukowski Tapes, which is what a three-hour documentary based on all the footage assembled. And Bukowski... As a kid, this was my introduction to him, and I believe it's your introduction to him right now. Uh, but he is a fantastic writer, cult writer, an L.A. writer. I, at the time he was alive and most prominent, probably more revered in Europe, which explains why a director like Marco Ferreri, I think, is the first person to adapt him in Tales of Ordinary Madness, which is a crazy... If you like Barfly... Watch Tales of Ordinary Madness if you can find uh, you can find it anywhere. Starring Susan Tyrell and Ben Gazzara is the uh, kind of composite of of Bukowski in there. And uh, another big adaptation, Ben Hammer did Factotum in two thousand five, which I still haven't seen, and I, I know that was um, kind of so so received. I believe starring Matt Dillon and Lily Taylor. And uh, I know James Franco famously tried to make a film, a biopic called Bukowski, but, you know, with his pennies starring Josh Peck. And that never got released because there was some cont contention about it being a based on one of Bukowski's books, Ham on Rye, and the rights holder sued. And so that film has never been released. The IMDb premise for this movie says, based on the life of successful poet Charles Bukowski and his exploits in Hollywood during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. That's not an accurate uh, description of the film. This film appears to take place over the course of like three or four days. Mm -hmm. And it appears to be the 80s in Los Angeles. Uh, Charles Bukowski wrote the screenplay, but the main character who's modeled after him is named Henry. And Henry's played by Mickey Rourke. So Mickey Rourke is an alcoholic derelict to like, I mean, he's like gold star, triple A drunk. He is, and the main focus, the main characters in this are a hair's breadth away from Skid Row is how they seem. Well, not just like uh, metaphorically, but physically like the, yes. <laughs> the bar that, where they live and they frequent uh, is near Skid Row in downtown LA. Because it appears that they're by MacArthur Park. But anyway, we see Mickey Rourke frequent a bar. And one of the bartenders is played by 
Frank Stallone. Mm -hmm. And Frank can't stand Mickey. And the opening of the film is the two of them fighting. And Frank whoops Mickey's ass. But Mickey comes back because he's not a quitter. And after having a bite to eat and building his strength back up, he beats Frank up. Mm -hmm. So now Mickey can't drink at the bar that night because he don't whoop the bartender's ass. So Mickey goes to a different bar. And while he's ordering his drink, he sees a woman sitting across from him, played by the uh, effervescent <laughs> Faye Dunaway. <laughs> She is so good at this movie. Wanda. The first shot we get of her sitting at the bar, the look on her face told a, told a thousand stories. Mm -hmm. But he picks her up very easily. They go home together, spend the night. And the next morning, she gives him a key to her apartment and basically says, like, we're together. But I need you to know that any man who comes to me with a fifth of whiskey, I'm going away with them. So don't leave me. Mm -hmm. And Mickey's like, I just need to go find a job. So he goes to find a job and he goes, Faye, we see him on an interview. Yeah. Yeah. Which does not go well. And then Faye, of course, leaves and ends up having sex with Frank Stallone. Mm -hmm. But during this time, we see that there is a detective looking for Mickey Rourke. Played by Jack Nance of Eraserhead fame. Why is this person looking for him? He's been hired by the publisher of like a, an elite mag, uh, literary magazine. A prestigious mag. Played by Alice Kriege. Who I love, yes. So we find out that Mickey Rourke, Henry, he's a writer and he submitted some of his work at some point to this magazine. And the publisher, Alice Kriege, loved it. But she can't find him to pay him to use his stuff. So she hired a detective to do it so she finally approaches him and just like faye dunaway when alice Krish meets alish i'm now talking like uh michael jackson saying krish krish you're, rock you're doing uh chris tucker's version i'm doing chris tucker doing michael jackson mm -hmm. saying krish um when alice Krish meets mickey rourke she brings his ass home to and her place in the hills yeah to her beautiful mansion in the hills and then she wants to be with him and he's like no i you know well, they have sex they have sex but she's disappointed that he doesn't want to stay and she's drunk on brown liquor but she pays him his money and he goes back home and faye dunaway's mad she's she like i can smell that bitch on you like because <laughs> of the perfume and she says if i see her it's gonna be a problem on site so then the end of the film is mickey wants to celebrate with faye because now he has five hundred dollars minus the flowers and boozy bought so they go to their local bar sit down and mickey tells frank i want to buy drinks for everybody it's a celebration so we get this sequence where they're just buying drinks and mickey is toasting to all of my friends all of my friends to all of my friends and then who walks in alice Kriege. tully is her name technically. oh my god she sits down next to Mickey Rourke and Faye looks at her like, who the fuck is this? And then she smells her like a damn dog. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I know that perfume. And they have a like fisticuffs. Like, what's the saying? Kick, kick ass, drag down, fight, or uh, is, isn't there a lot like that phrase people say? Anyway, they get into a damn fight. They get into a pretty impressive fight. <laughs> which is the scene I remember most clearly from the first time I watched this. Faye whoops Alice's ass. 
So Alice leaves and now Faye and Mickey are there and it's made to seem like they are going to live happily ever after. Well, no, it ends with Frank Stallone's like, I want to rematch because I had the flu when you beat me, even though that those fights happened within hours of each other from the beginning yeah. of the film. Uh, so it's everybody going back outside to watch a fight again. But we don't see the but fight. We don't see so it. it's the end. Um, this movie had me howling. <laughs> um I would definitely recommend it. The only thing that's missing, I would give this a good score because I think the performances from Mickey York and Faye Dunaway and just like, just having like grown up in like that area, like at, at that time and just like the way it's depicted and it, it, it's really fun to watch. Their performances are really fun. I think the writer captured the essence of like this, alcoholism and this toxic ass relationship in a way that felt authentic and disturbing but also i mean it's like what like you know what 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 do they say fascination with the abomination like yes it's a sight to behold well yeah we're gazing into the abyss here yeah but what's missing is i didn't know who charles bukowski was now I, I'm told that he's a successful writer, but watching this movie, you wouldn't know. No. Except that there's some person wanting to pay him for some stuff he wrote. We do see him scribble down something a few times. He's writing it. Yeah, he gets up. But, it, but, it, but it's like the scribblings of like a crazy person. And then the way he talks makes it seem like he has like, like he has a traumatic brain injury, really. Like he doesn't. The, the structure of his senses seem off and he seems slow at times, but well, his brain is marinated. In right. So, and then I also don't understand whatever writings he's known for now, were those done before or after this story set, like the movie doesn't orient us in any way. So if, if you don't know that Charles Bukowski is a real person, you would think this is a black comedy about two alcoholics falling in love. Yeah, and but I think that's okay. And I think it's okay too, because that's kind of a kick-ass way to approach like a biopic, if you would, yeah. were. Like so so I think it it's and the fact that the person it's about wrote the shit, right? Th- and, that sends it. And like, it's you know, so semi-autobiographical, yeah. but it the apparently you know, Mickey Rourke is Henry and she's Wanda, but these those two for sure are based on real people in a real relationship. It feels punk to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if my version of what i think punk means but the fact that like this notable person wrote a script kind of about their life and they approach it like i mean they're showing the crunchy bits yes and for a very brief period which i think is kick-ass because it's like my work speaks for itself like Mm -hmm. it's out there so if you want to know about my work you can but I'm but I'm gonna tell you the story about how I met this lady that I spent the rest of my life with. <laughs> um, and he died in '94 in uh, his last, I think, after just finishing his last book, Pulp. But uh, notably, I guess Sean Penn. Again, Sean Penn in that vein of like that James Franco is like we're gonna uh, take over all of the things, all of the cultural artifacts we find cool. But apparently, he offered to pay a dollar for the rights if Dennis Hopper could direct this, but. Apparently Bukowski felt Barbette Schrader had spent so much time. He he was a person that was loyal and he played that with his publishers too. He stayed with kind of the the little publishers that always supported him instead of ever going big time, which yeah. is also a way to avoid responsibility, right? But uh, he 
he allowed uh, Schrader to continue making it, which I think is interesting. I'm just going to go through my notes. So the bar Mickey frequents, there's like the local prostitute, this busty blonde. Yeah. And the first time we meet her, she's arguing with the John because she performed oral sex on him and her fee is $20, which kind of seems like a lot. In For 87? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, that was worth 15. <laughs> She's arguing. And this bitch says, nobody in this neighborhood can swallow paste like I can. And I kind of threw up in my mouth a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that was... I, I, like paste? No. Well, these people are dehydrated. Ugh. You know when you're dehydrated, you know. I've never heard someone say something like that and it was kind of it made me stick to my stuff yeah it was gross uh okay mickey rourke playing henry he just so i'm assuming charles bukowski maybe had like a very particular walk mm -hmm. he because mickey's walking like how i walk when i get up in the morning mm -hmm. like just all out of sorts and he looks so unhealthy he his teeth there's something going on with his teeth that i don't know tooth. that i don't know if it's like actually mickey rourke's teeth or they put in like something but that's the thing about mickey rourke too it's like you, you never know even back then you can't quite tell he looks like hell he looks like he smells so bad the entire time we're with him he's wearing the same underwear the same socks the same undershirt he has like this dirty bandage on his elbow his socks oh he looks oh so God. gross and <laughs> the apartment he lives in is like the crack stacks i mean i just yeah. don't even understand but at a point he gets up because he lives in one of those like buildings where people share bathrooms so he gets up to leave to go use the bathroom and that's when the detective breaks in and like takes pictures of some of his writings and then when mickey work comes back he's so damn out of it that he walks into the wrong apartment mm -hmm. and he's sitting and as the audience we don't know he's in the wrong apartment because the angle it's shot it's like he's just sitting down and then we see him looking around and at first i thought oh he noticed that someone broke into his apartment mm -hmm. and then you realize no this fool is not in his apartment and then he sees because he doesn't have any money for food although well i guess you could be bloated from just drinking alcohol but anyway he sees <laughs> Food. It's, he steals food from this apartment that goes back to his. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a derelict. Oh, um, I I kept track of how many times I heard the word fag being used. It's used five times in this movie. Mostly by Frank Stallone, though. And mostly by Frank Stallone. Who I have to say, Frank Stallone is more attractive than his brother. By far, yes. For those who don't know, he's Sylvester's I've brother. met him. Yeah, because he used to frequent that video store. <laughs> he used to frequent Cinephile Video. At the... Looking for his own movies to see if anyone rented no, them. No, he would rent his brother's movies. Oh, I thought he would No, he ask would... the clerk if anyone's rented his movies. No, it was his brother's movies. He oh, wanted to make okay. sure that there was movement, movement on those. and then So my on... brother can continue to pay me my, uh, uh, what do you call it when kids get an allowance? Yes. An allowance. And then oddly, because um, I would go because my friend worked there. At the time, he no longer does. But uh, Frank, he would try to elevate Frank's taste. So he had, they were having a conversation about Fellini's eight and a half. <laughs> oh, Fucking God. LA. Okay, let me keep going. So the, when Frank, I'm sorry, when Mickey Rourke and Faye Dunaway meet and they're walking, I, I think the cinematography is really strong. Oh, this was shot by Robbie Mueller. 
I, I, I really liked how it mm-hmm. looked. There's a shot of them walking down the street, these two drunks, like the blind leading the blind. And then all of a sudden, as we get close to Faye Dunaway's apartment, this bitch wants to pick corn. There's And there's like a cornfield corn in patch. MacArthur Park, like near her apartment. And she runs into the corn. And I love he, corn. And she's just out of it. Like she's manic and drunk. And Mickey's like, you can't pick this corn. It's not ripe yet. Like it's going to be green. You can't cook it. And she's like, and she is stuffing her, her purse, purse mm-hmm. with this uh, young ass corn. And then the police come. And they make a break for it. And watching them running from the police is so funny. They get into the elevator. They go hide in the apartment. And that's when the two of them sort of get to know each other. Mm-hmm. So and she, then we see Fake try to cook the corn. And it's bad. And then she has a tantrum. The cops are still in the hallway looking for them because they don't know which apartment they went to. And she's already put a pot of water onto There's boil. water boiling. She's husking as soon she's as She's husking she- corn <laughs> and pouring a drink. <laughs> and then she takes the corn out and he's it's no good and then yeah she has a fucking she starts throwing it and saying out. like life doesn't work out for her so um and he and they later referenced this because they, of their first major argument he goes i thought we had something special but i guess it was just green corn <laughs> <laughs> isn't so, that, there's a betty davis movie the corn is green oh is based there? on a play yeah anyway after that first night that's when she gives him the key blah 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 like if another man brings me whiskey i'll leave so they go to the bar again or no it's just mickey after he tries to get a job and doesn't get it he goes to the bar to drink and there's an old man in the bar who orders a shot and he has the dts right so he's shaking yes. so bad that when he tries to take his shot he spills like half of it mm-hmm. so the bartender says don't worry this one i'll give you another one it's on me and when i tell you i have never (sighs) seen something so funny this old man takes off his scarf and creates like a pulley system Mm -hmm. so that his non-shaky like he can lift his shaky hand with the pulley to pour the drink in his mouth yep i mean anytime you see those compilations of like uh memorable movie scenes like you just watched a movie that was based off of a bunch of movie scenes. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, by Georgi Palfi, uh, and now, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. I feel like that scene of that man <laughs> taking that shot with his little pulley system needs to be in it. Um, there's a character who uh, frequents the bar named Lily. I liked Lily. Oh my god, she she's a beer drinker. Uh, she, yep, she's a beer drinker, and she's probably the most consistent bar fly she is the most well she seems to have standards she's very judgmental oh yeah and all lily does is sit there and mean mug everyone and talk shit and i thought that was so funny she's kind of like celia weston and observe and report where she's like i'm getting to drink beer so i can be fucked up all day yeah and keep my shit together (laughs) so mickey and faye get into a fight and she beats him with her purse and whatever she, she has like a brick in her purse or something so he has this terrible laceration on his head he's bleeding like he's gonna die and someone calls the police i uh, think jack, it's the detective jack nance comes to see him yeah. yeah the detective calls the i'm not the police the paramedics the paramedics show up <laughs> and i thought this was a funny scene they see him looking like he was attacked by freddy krueger mm-hmm. and they're like where's the emergency because he's standing up so you must be fine and then they don't treat him because nope. sign this paper let us go <laughs> and, yeah and then 
uh, now that Mickey has moved into Faye's apartment, that's where we spend our time now. We don't ever go back to his place. But Faye has neighbors, this old couple who fight. Oh, God. They're just... And every time we're in her apartment, we hear these people fighting. They're just screaming. And, and it's clear that the woman is getting beat. Yeah. But then at a point, Mickey like breaks into their apartment. Because it sounds like... And this is when Alice, Alice Creech has come to visit him. So she's at the apartment and he breaks in. And it sounds like the old man's killing the old woman. Yeah. But then what does he say? He, The woman is on the bed and like he'd been choking her and the old man is like she likes it this is this is what it's we like do. a sex game it's like a sex game and that woman gets up and cusses mickey Rourke out but then the man grabs a knife and says oh do you really want to see us have some fun and he looks like he's about to stab her mm-hmm. so mickey goes to stop him and they get into a tussle and the man gets like badly stabbed in the abdomen <laughs> but he doesn't die no um oh i wanted mickey Rourke as I'm curious. I, I should have watched clips of Charles Bukowski talking because I thought Mickey Rourke is doing the dialogue. He sounds like Mae West. Uh huh. Sure. Oh, like that's how he sounds. Yeah. He's oh, got the, oh, let me buy you a drink. Yeah. Oh, oh, like that's how he talks. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I crazy? No, he does. He sounds like Mae West. He was. He does this thing that there's only a few a rare handful of across uh, the history of cinema of people that go in like this like a brando or shia labeouf he kind of he makes me uncomfortable with the, the way shia labeouf makes me uncomfortable i mean he it was extremely engaging oh yeah but i was giggling a lot like this motherfucker is doing like an alcoholic may west that's what he's or is he, it's like he's he's he trying to be like a noir character like a, a bogart <laughs> that's just <laughs> fucking yeah see drug. yeah coppers yeah yeah like, edgar, edgar g robinson so then faye has an incident where she's being dramatic in her apartment and she's telling mickey that she had a dream that like a the like the devil was after her and she can't breathe and so then she like passes out so mickey calls nine one one, and when the paramedics show up again they're mad because they're like not this place again but at least there's someone here for us to check and the paramedic checks faye and he's like this bitch <laughs> she's, she's just fine. drunk she's just drunk and fat <laughs> and when they leave faye pops up like uh, like a spring chicken did you hear what they said about me <laughs> so clearly they have this super toxic relationship uh, yes so when alice creech finally confronts him and says what's the deal they go on a drive well, she has, she gives him a check, but he can't cash it. So she has to cash it. For so him. she's like, well, hop into my Mercedes convertible and we're going to go to the bank. And then Mickey, which is they, across from the Chateau Marmont. Yeah. So now they're in. So now they've gone to like West Hollywood, but they um, she kind of like double parks. So Mickey gets in the driver's seat. And then she's like, well, you can drive. We're going to go back to my place. And then well, they have an interaction with the prostitute first. They have an interaction with the prostitute. And then there's a couple like parked, like they're at a red light. And the car in front of them is this couple uh, indulging in PDA. Mm-hmm. And Mickey thinks they're obnoxious. So he like rams their car into the middle of the intersection, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, how many red flags, Alice Creech, do you need before you get this man out your damn car? Like what? It's just like, white lady, how out of touch are you? And then it's like Mickey Rourke 
because I looked at pictures of Charles Bukowski and I told you, I think he looks like if someone took beef jerky and put it in vodka overnight and then took it out and dropped it in lint. Yeah, so especially Mickey, by the 80s, yeah. So Mickey Rourke definitely looks better than that man, but he looks like he smells disgusting. Yes. And the fact that this rich lady let him all up in her bed, all up on her furnishings. I know. Begging for him to stay, begging for another session. I'm like, ugh, mm-hmm. how bad does he smell? <laughs> um, but yeah, these performances from Faye and Mickey Rourke are exceptional but that tra- it tracks with uh, his usual themes that where he's been criticized for being you know misogynistic clearly you mean uh, charles bukowski bukowski yeah so i think of course he's written this semi-autobiographical thing where these beautiful but also uh, uh women whose lives are out of control would be obsessed with him what would you give barfly I give it four out of five. I love it. I think I'm going to give it four out of five. It's excellent. And it, I mean, it feels punk, like knowing that the person who it's about basically wrote the shit and that they are like, it's just this little snapshot into the insanity that was their life. And then really it's a love story. Yes. (laughs) You have to think that I think it's the same year that Mickey Rourke was an angel heart. Uh, it's also the same year of another high-profile Bukowski adaptation, Crazy Love, uh, directed by Dominique Derodere. Uh, and I remember at the time, Sean Penn was dating Madonna, and they were both going around talking about what a fantastic movie this Crazy Love was. Oh, God. Uh, you haven't seen it. I do. I own it. Oh. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's based on some short stories. I prefer Barfly. And we haven't talked about the director at all, who I, I also has a fascinating career um iranian born who started out like the beginning of his career in french cinema um including probably my favorite of him just a titch better than this is maitresse starring boule augier and uh, gerard depardieu but he has a very notable documentary about general idi amin which is part of the um, criterion collection which is fascinating uh but then after Barfly, he really had a, a significant Hollywood phase because he did Single White Female uh, with Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, towards the end of that streak, he did Murder by Numbers with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Gosling. That's back when they were dating. He did this really low-budget, guerrilla-style piece of queer cinema called Our Lady of the Assassins, which I also recommend. I actually met him once at the Toronto Film Festival after a screening of Inju Shadow of the Beast, which is not that good, but I think it's based on the writings of Rampo. Anyway, uh, he, he's a very interesting director and not all of his stuff is very successful, but this this and Maitress are, I, I think, must-see cinema. Mm. Well, that's all I have for this movie. Uh, I need to remind people we have a Patreon now and all of the content on there is different from what we talk about on the podcast or the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Currently, we're reviewing True Detective season four, episode by episode. We're reviewing RuPaul's Drag Race season 16, episode by episode. Mm-hmm. We also have a tier level where people can force us to review a movie once a month. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, so far we've done things like shortcuts, don't uh, be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood, uh-huh. the killer. We have uh, some more coming soon. Yes. I'm kind of excited to watch Undercover Brother. I've never seen that. Because I've never seen yeah. it. Yeah. 
Anyway, do you have anything else you want to say? No. Ta-ta.